With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. time for another edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. All right, so welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. The U.S. Uh, loses <laughs> to Serbia. I'm James Martin with Peter Bodo and Steve Tigner. And guys, this was a, a great tie. It turned out to be a great tie in, in, in Belgrade uh, and really showed a couple things uh, going into it. <laughs> One was that Djokovic has more moods than Sybil. And uh, two, that John Isner looks to have more upside uh, in my opinion, than Sam Querrey or any of the other Americans. But let's get some reaction first on the uh, the fifth and oh, actually it was the uh, fourth and deciding match. Isner and Djokovic was in really good drama, um, decent crowd, the first real decent crowd of the entire tie. Pete, just to bring that up to you, um, and uh, Djokovic was just his usual unpredictable self. Wins the first set and then loses loses his serve and breaks his racket and goes off the hook. And uh, as Gimmelstab pointed out. A emotional instability was sort of the, uh, the the term of the day with Djokovic, guys. Yeah, it's funny. There's kind of a coyness about Djokovic, and you see it in the Grand Slams, too. I mean, last year he was on a verge of people just saying, look, the guy is too interested in, in getting attention and, and being a drama queen. I mean, who would have thunk it? You know, a guy, you know, a big strapping guy like that, you know, a guy who, who speaks fairly directly, you know, has a kind of a deep voice, almost an ambassadorial voice. Yet he's acting, you know, he's kind of like a little bit of a drama queen in these things. He's he's kind of coy, you know, he's there, then he's not there, you know, then he, then he plays really well, then he freaks out. So it doesn't surprise me, but it doesn't bode well for Serbia's chances in the long run. Well, it's their, it's their first time in the quarterfinals of the Davis Cup with that win. I wish you only had to win one one tie to get there. So uh, pretty quick road to the quarterfinals. But, I, I was Steve, we were talking about it. I think Djokovic, I think the Davis Cup is tailor-made for Djokovic because he can let that drama, drama queen element of him he can let it loose. He can act crazy. He can he can show his uh, ups and downs. But he only has to play two matches. It's not like a grand slam where he has to, <clears throat> excuse me, or has to keep his composure for seven matches over two weeks. This is almost like the perfect venue for Djokovic. Yeah, it's true. Well, watching that match, uh, it made me realize again the Davis Cup. We, you know what we we talked about how there could be a better team event in tennis, and I do think there could be a, a more effective one. But there's really still nothing nothing like Davis Cup in the fact that it it won't let any player cave in at any point in a match you just can't do it the way you can if you get down in a in a regular tournament you, could, you saw Djokovic he normally he might he you know he was very emotional in this match but he might have he might have thrown away a set or thrown away the match in the end just because things were getting under his <laughs> just skin because. <laughs> just because just because things were going the, the wrong way for him but he couldn't do that so you, you saw him you saw he, he was forced to you know you saw his his competitiveness and his emotion. In the same way with Isner, he he couldn't cave at the end, and he played a fantastic game to to hold serve for four or five. That you know he saved a few match points that he might not have done in a in a normal match. So you get Davis Cup again shows that you get the most out of it gets the most out of every player. And let's not forget the factor of you know uh, 
You know, the Isner's in there. You know, he's on clay, far from home. Nobody expects him to win. He's a perfectly positioned to torment the guy. Meanwhile, here's Djokovic, you know, in front of his expectant. You know, we saw what Andy Ivanovic did in Fed Cup under similar circumstances. So here's Djokovic, in front of his home crowd, a lot of pressure. You know, he gets a, loses a little bit of control of the match. So that's another, and I got to stress, every people keep talking about a better formula than Davis Cup. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, right now you've got these elements that happen in Davis Cup that just don't happen anywhere else because of this unique home and away format, choice of surface, and things like that. So, I, I, before we get to that, if we want to revisit the, that argument, I, I came away from watching Djokovic and feeling um, less confident in him than ever, in a way. I mean, his, his, they were pointing this out on, on, on the Tennis Channel broadcast, which I think was good, which was his, his serve now, his motion, the way he brings his racket back. He's opening up his racket more. He, he wasn't changing direction of the ball as much as he usually did. I don't know if that was a matter of coaching, but he seemed to be doing fundamentally cross-court tennis. Um, his mental well, stability I was, was a little more than... I mean, he loses serve and goes nuts. I, mean. I was amazed by in both matches that he won the first set, and especially against Query, won the first set handily. He was in total control, was a superior player. Yeah. He loses two points <laughs> Love in 30, the first right. game of the second set on his serve, and suddenly it's like he can't breathe. <laughs> the towel is over he's his going face. To the nose. He's, he's taking deep breaths. He's, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's, he looks like... Like the world's falling apart. The world's on, you know, the weight of the world is on his shoulders. I mean, that's that's Davis Cup in one way, but that's Djokovic. But, it, but it's also Djokovic, and it, it makes him a very entertaining player to watch. Hey, if you can't beat Roger and Rafa, you know, heads up, you know, uh, on a consistent basis in Grand Slams, you're basically carve out that niche as the guy that you know nobody knows what's going on with him. He's good enough to be right up there challenging these guys, but you know, every, every match is this roller coaster ride. Well, he clearly has the widest uh, mood swings and and. And levels of play for a top player, and you know, no one, no one in the top ten, I think, has that range where you can play unbelievable and 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 look like a complete player, and then the next minute he looks like he's. I mean, when he hit that second ball out in that tiebreaker, um, and he got the point penalty, I mean, he could have hit somebody. And with you're that right, ball. though that that makes him perfect for Davis Cup, and but it makes it hard for him to keep doing that for two weeks at a Grand Slam. Yeah, no <laughs> chance. And and I, and I, we should give uh, uh, props to the chair umpire Pasquale Marie because he. He called a great match, and the thing that really impressed me—I don't know—I um, don't. Th- I can't remember seeing this in Davis Cup again, but in that doubles match, it was in the the third set. It was a tiebreaker, and Zimanich uh, calls a serve out by pointing his finger up. If anyone saw that, uh, I don't think anyone saw that in the entire stadium, including Isner, who didn't play uh, the return that um, came back at him. He just let it bounce. It lands in. It looks like it's a set to Serbia. But the, the umpire, well, he deserves credit for that. No, and he was also, on it. He was on it the whole weekend. He, he kept control of a pretty, you know, pretty, if not a rowdy crowd, a, a tense situation. But in Davis Cup, at least for the Davis Cup finals, they only allow the, the what they call the gold medal chair umpires, the guys who have the most experience to, to do those matches. And that's, that's not even true of the Grand Slams. They allow the second tier guys to do Grand Slams. But Davis Cup, that's not true. You have to be, you have to be uh, the most experienced chair umpire, and you could see why in that. No, he kept great control. And then to give Djokovic a point penalty in the fourth set tiebreaker in the fourth match against Isner was great too. Uh, he had no choice, obviously. And then, then Isner, guys. I mean, you know, Query had a decent match against Djokovic. He lost. No, no surprises there. I don't think any of these results were actually surprising. It's a, a fair result looking back. But you got to really look at Isner and say that he might. I mean, he seems right now to have potentially more upside than even Query as the, as a new young American. He's really focusing his game around his forehand, which looked as more monstrous than I've ever seen it. He continues to get better. His his footwork is, is pretty decent as far as running around and hitting the inside-out forehand. Obviously, on the run, his forehand does break down. If he can get a moving, that is his weakness. And, of course, he's got the serve, and it seems like he's really focusing on this. Look, this is what I do well. This is what I'm going to focus on. This is what's going to get me the points. 
I mean, well, Isner really broke through and became a name player, at least in the U.S., before he really had f- had it figured out in terms of what he needed to do to get good and survive at that level. But I think he actually turned a pretty crucial corner at the end of that breakout year when he really kind of rededicated himself. There was a lot of buzz early on about him not working that hard and just kind of enjoying life, being a, a big, mellow, strapping, powerful kid who was just along for, for a good ride. And, you know, not in a negative way. What do you want? You know, the kid's a college kid. Uh, but I think what I've been hearing is that he's really been working very, very hard on his game. He knows what opportunity lies ahead of him. I am very high in both of these guys, I think. You know, granted, Clay is always going to be a problem. But hello, you know, when wasn't Clay a tough yeah, problem for Blake and Rodden? Yeah. So yeah. basically, you know, we're always going to be in trouble on Clay and Davis Cup until we get somebody else like a courier or an Agassi who can put up decent results on the surface. I think these guys could become kind of the twin towers of the American Davis Cup team. I mean, it looks pretty good, Steve. Well, Isner, I mean, Isner's still getting better. He, he's, you know, he's not that young he's not a teenager he wasn't not a a top junior he wasn't i don't think he was pegged to be in the top 10 the way a few other guys even query was um but he's been really surprised in his ability to to get better at some of the things that he wasn't good at he he still is not a natural mover especially to his right on the baseline but he's he's improved that it's not as much of a liability he he's also not the most you know technically uh, fabulous <laughs> volleyer, but he makes volleys. Well he makes. He might fall down, but he makes the volleys. He's got. He's got good hands, and he's got a. He's got. You know. He's. I think he's pretty calm on the court. When he, even in the 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 crucial points that he lost, he he basically just got on to the next point. There was none of the. He was the opposite of Djokovic. He. There was no emotional roller coaster for Isner, and that that really helped him. It's true. He didn't let the volleys, his bad volleys, bother him at all. And that doubles. Yeah, no. you know? I, I think the word that comes to mind with Isner is dangerous. In quotes, you know, I mean, I think if you went out there on a tour right now and asked guys, you know, they say this guy, that guy, will say, you know, he's he's good, he's quick, or you know, he's really consistent, or he's got a big serve. When you may say, say Isner, I think guys are going to say he's dangerous. You know, meaning the guy can really come up bigger than you expect at any time, and he's and he's definitely made great strides and put up really good results. Yeah, it's true. When Murray beat him, Murray beat him. Yeah pretty easily at the Australian Open but when he won the first set and he realized he'd gotten a good start on Isner he was you could see that he was really relieved that he was nervous about that match you can you know you're always going to be you know worried when you play someone that can serve like Djokovic said from the fourth floor I mean it's coming at him from such a crazy angle I, I, I loved watching the doubles though because as you said I mean Isner was falling down he was in the frame he was I mean he looked so awkward out there but as someone but that he was w- he was still the guy who drilled the uh forehand to win the third the most important shot most important shot of the match no i i love i mean i did, i haven't liked watching you up to this point and both both him and sam i mean i say this lovingly that they're sort of the goon squad they're big they're like either they don't really give off the the uh much charisma but you know you know to davis cup's format and that credit and having the fans there i mean it was the first time i watched isner and really enjoyed that i'll be interested in seeing isner at wimbledon nobody's going to want to play him there no harlovich will Karlovich. <laughs> That'll be interesting. And let's um, let's run down some of the other results for uh, uh, some of our listeners who might not know all the Davis Cup results. Feel free, guys, to just uh, chime in on some stuff here uh, as you see fit. Uh, what do we have here? Spain obviously crushed Switzerland. 4-1. Anyone see that? Seems or? like Spain can't lose if they tried. Nadal wasn't there, but you know they they won last year. They're they're back at it three months later, and they're they're still winning. No problem. But aha, Spain next gets France, and France. Gets choice of ground, so we're looking at a fast indoor court. Mm-hmm. Could you that be believe. it? Believe. Well, you're going to have that Sanga. could be cool. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have you're going to have you're going to have a very good Monfils and, and Sanga. Let's remember Monfils won his first. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of our scores here, but oh, go ahead, go ahead. Monfils won his first 
Davis Cup tie this week, and that was kind of a shocker to me. I said, this guy's only, that's his first Davis Cup win? Yes, in, in a live rubber anyway. So uh, they're on track. They're going to meet, uh, I really like France's chance to take the whole thing this year. Pete Bodo likes likes the French this time, huh? The I've only heard time it. you've ever surprise, heard it all. <laughs> I've heard it all. Now I have an order of Freedom Fries. <laughs> that, that, could, uh, that could actually be the choice of the next ties to watch. And then Russia uh, wins against India 3-2, squeaks that out. Any comments there? Okay. I like this kid, Devarman. I usually beat him in a fourth match to, to, clinch for, uh, to clinch for the Russians. But I like this kid, Sam Devarman. Is he going to be a Grand Slam winner? You know, I don't know. But, you know, he's a two-time NCAA singles champion. Got very little credit for him. He played at UVA. Got very little credit for that, basically. And, uh, he, you know, he played well in that first match against Kunitsin, I guess. He, he, he won a set. You know, uh, he kept India in there. Their doubles team, of course, is, is going to win. They're as almost as bankable as a Bryan's. But, uh, you know, I, I like the way India looks. And, and Russia, you know, they're, they're always going to be. They're, One thing to say be. about Russia, they've won 17 straight matches at home, yeah. which, you know, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. <laughs> the trouble is, when was the last time anybody went through an entire Davis Cup match playing, playing home? It, it happens, and it can happen. It can but happen, yeah. We but should it, check that out. Yeah, the, well, actually, the um, the court actually the courts in Russia tend to play a bit around. They put those clay courts down, and usually when you watch them, you, I mean, it's 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 fair. I mean, it's not like they're cooking the books or anything because it's it, both teams have to handle it. But it's always fun to watch those home ties in Russia. Hey, let me bring this up for you then. So, uh, you know, you know, are you guys aware that the Davis Cup has a, a court speed doctrine, basically, that they have to be within a certain parameters on court speed and they measure it. I am not. Where'd you get this information? ITF. And and what? How do they measure this? They measure it it's like they with their technical center there can measure the you know the it speed can't be of too slow or fast. Or well, that's the funny thing is it can't be too fast. Right. But there's no slowness quotient no. apparently. So uh, it's it's an interesting thing because you can only make a court so fast. So you could not host a tie, for instance, on wood, for in, you know which they used to play on back in the old days, but which is lightning fast. You know, but, but but theoretically you could put a clay court down, put extra clay, and then water it down. And water it like for a mud. month. I guess you could. The complaint against the complaint, you would have to you know. Oh, if, the Russia got fined once for doing that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, they, they determined that if things were out of whack, but there is no numerical value as far as I know on on measuring slowness. That would help the U.S. if there was, if they could discover one. Absolutely. That's for sure. It is fun watching the courts, even the one in in Serbia. You can see some of these courts get laid down at the last minute, some horrible bounces, but it makes it kind of fun to watch just that erratic play and how the teams handle it. Um, Croatia defeated the the Lepenti brothers, Ecuador. Croatia is a a dangerous team. You have Cilic and Karlovic. um, You know, they can, with a few guys, they can match up well against anybody, particularly on a fast surface. That's a good point. You know, there you got to look at them too as a potential winner. I haven't looked at see who they get, who get, who they get next. But you know, I think that's a pretty formidable lineup they have. I would agree. Um, Argentina defeats Switzerland three two in a squeaker. Now Bandian, David Now Bandian comes out of comes out of semi retirement. Comes out of you know he's he's been injured, but he he came in and they fired him in and he won the fifth match. He he um he is an amazing Davis Cup competitor beyond probably beyond anybody oh, else. Oh come on, Steve. The level that he. The level that he uh, improves, most of, you know, for the most part, over his normal Day-to-day. his normal self, <laughs> yeah. is you know that's he only ruined their entire chance to win the Davis Cup for the first time. They're the best nation ever to win the cup, and he ruined their chances. What was a lot not last year? I guess two years ago. Oh no, I guess it was well, last he, year when Spain beat him at home. He threw a hissy fit against the Poltro. Well, he, nice oh, he, he, he messed up the whole thing. <laughs> but he won the first. He'd won the first match. He's the guy who's kept him in it for years, for sure. I mean, and the Poltro's out. I mean, now yeah. I, they're still a strong team, I think. I mean, oh yeah, they're a strong team, no question about that. Um, and then finally, we got the Czech Republic defeats Belgium four uh, one. Stepanek and uh, 
what's uh who's who else? Burdich. Burdich both won their match easily and they're they going nowhere. No, that, that, <laughs> like that's pretty safe to say. Burdich. You're not gonna win with Burdich on your team. I'm how about sorry. how about if they had Burdich and, and, and Joachim Johansson, a Swedish guy, Pim Pim? Uh, <laughs> he played. His name is. Yeah, he actually I know played, he played. Yeah. He, he he got school too, I think. But uh, no, anything could happen. The Czechs reached the final last year. Don't yeah. That. I just Burdich. Yeah, and Burdich lost, that. yeah. Uh it could be a, let's let's round this out now. It could be a uh a dicey end of the summer for the U.S. because now because they lost this match. Hey, wait a second! You forgot Chile Israel. Oh, that's still going on right now, though. So clinched. Gonzalez clinched oh, the fourth it? match. Okay. Yeah, Chile is clinched. I'm very happy for them. I thought oh, it was a great go. thing that they. I know you and I disagree about this, James, but I thought it was great that they played that tie despite the devastation in Chile. Nations need a little bit of morale boosting in a situation like that, especially I think when it's a natural tragedy rather than you know. Something like the 9-11 attacks where, of course, things were postponed, too. I think you just people have to pick themselves up. I think it was probably a boost for the Chilean people who uh, sure knows, you know, God knows it can use Great it. that they won. It's great that yeah, they won. Absolutely. Yeah. They had gone out and lost that. that would <laughs> Death, destruction, and the lost Davis Cup tie. I mean, and speaking of that, the crowds, I mean, you know, I know you, you talk about the Davis Cup and how it's a big deal. I mean, the doubles match in Serbia did not get a great crowd. The first two singles matches in Serbia were not that good. I mean, Steve, I... My impression, looking at TV, was yesterday with that that fourth match was the first time that it looked like they had a decent crowd. Yeah, yesterday the crowd was better, and you you'd want to see a full house, but it was it was full enough for that match, and it was good for that match. And you know, while you'd like to see more people, it really is the 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 passion of the players that 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 wins out and matters that that makes it that makes Davis Cup worthwhile. Yeah, it was fun, and and the U.S. will um, face relegation basically in September. Uh, they'll have to play. Uh, a match where if they lose it, they're out of the world group, and that means for next year they won't even be able to contend for the Davis Cup. They haven't been relegated for years and years and years. But talk about a lot of pressure, Pete. I know you were saying that, that Isner and, and uh, Quarry didn't have a lot of pressure in Serbia. I think they did. But uh, it, you know, I think it will certainly be ratcheted up, whether it is home or it is away. They're going to be playing knowing that if they lose this, then they're going to be doing something that hasn't happened in a really long time, getting kicked out of the world group. Well, I agree with you on that. There's no question there's going to be a lot of pressure the next time they play. And a lot of that's going to depend on a draw. You know, we get a home tie on a fast court, and that could really just, you know, we're talking about de- developing these guys as Davis Cup players. That could really move the ball forward for us because, you know, relegation ties are more important than first-round ties when you come right down to it. Just as Roger Federer. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. <I> play. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the only ones that play. They're so important. But, uh, you know, and so... You know, if, the, if we end up having to play somebody on slow clay away from home, then, then it's really going to be gut check time for those guys. So, you know, you, the American team has to keep their fingers crossed if they get a nice home tie and a fast surface, get to put it in some nice secondary market, again, like a Birmingham, Alabama, or, or, or South Carolina, you know, Charleston or something where we get a good home crowd. And it could really, you know, really boost those guys' confidence, make them come together one pop, team. And tell Mike Bryant not to have room service the night before his doubles match. So he doesn't get sick. Maybe. Well, one positive of this past weekend is you, you could see that, that Isner is legitimate. Even if Roddick and Blake were available, Isner would be a legitimate choice for um, and Quarry as well, but especially Isner for a for a player. He's not just a second-tier Davis Cup guy for the U.S. Now, my question is this, though, guys. What if, what do you think the chances are if the U.S. draws a tough relegation match that where maybe a Blake or a Roddick could really help the team? Do either of those guys say, you know what, I know I said I'm not going to play, but it's a relegation tie. Well, asked, do you think they'll do it? Well, Roddick was interviewed yesterday during the telecast, and he, he was pretty unequivocal. I mean, he was like, look, if you play Davis Cup, you have to commit for the year. So, I mean, he, he sounded like he may never, he's probably not going to play Davis Cup again, was, was the impression I came away with, but definitely not this year, even if it's a relegation battle. And I think Blake is amazed, makes himself available or not. I would go with Quarry and Isner over Blake 
right now. I don't think Patrick Macken. I don't think Patrick Macken would have a problem doing that now after this weekend, even though they no. lost. No, they they were not far off winning this tie. I mean, that Query, you know, it, he was in that match against Djokovic. That's and true. He, he had his chances. He, you know, he, Djokovic is, I, I think, his athleticism, and he was a little more consistent. And then, you know, Isner had, you know, Isner asked after his match against Djokovic, he basically said, "Look, I, I double faulted on two key break points," and he felt that was the main difference of the match. I think it was also just the the physicality of playing on clay for four hours, which is going to wear on him. But they were they were right there, and um, the doubles. Uh, you know, with 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 Mike out, I thought I thought that was trouble when when they brought Isner in. But the fact that he came in and played that and won that and played all three matches, Pat Pat Mario's got to feel pretty good. Well, you know, the doubles thing is interesting. Okay, even though the Bryans didn't win this match, technically there's still a doubles team that won. But you know, McEnroe he took his time picking those guys to play Davis Cup. In fact, there were you know people were lobbying for them pretty hard, but he really took his time because he knew that if he if who else picked, did they have to choose from? Well, you know, the model generally, I think, is to pick, you know, your best singles players and, if you can, a double specialist. Actually, Serbia conforms to that model, you know, simply because Zim- they have yeah. a very good double specialist in, in Zemanjic. So, basically, that's always been a thinking because then you have a lot of options. Like, the Russians always, you know, play those option games. They stick a Davidenko in to play either singles or doubles. McEnroe, though, in two, 2006, I guess, around right before he put those guys in, he was thinking, all right, now, these guys are good doubles team. They haven't won a big title yet. I'm not going to stick them in until they do that. But if, and if I am going to pick them, I'm going to make a commitment to having a doubles team for the future. He didn't want to. He didn't want them to go in and have to play for a spot on a team. You know, if, if we lose this tie, we'll never play doubles for Davis Cup again. He was. He said, "Look, I got to make up my mind. If I'm going to dedicate 50% of my squad to a doubles team, I'm not going to have any options, and I'm going to greatly reduce my options in singles." Therefore, I'm going to make a real commitment to a long-term investment in these guys if and when I do it. After they won a French Open, he picked them against Slovakia in, in, a, in a relegation tie, actually. And the Bryans took off running. We've seen what they've done yeah, since. It took, it, I think it took him a year or maybe even two years longer than, than um, what most people wanted. The people wanted the Bryans because we couldn't win doubles matches. It took exactly. Patrick a little longer, but it made, you know, made all the difference when he did. I, and I never, under, I never understood why it took him so long because, I mean, the U.S. with Flock and Saguso, and, and we've had, a, we've had a, a tradition in Davis Cup of having good doubles teams that have, you know, particularly in the 80s, kept us out of trouble because we always had that point that we could pretty much but guarantee. I think the point, you lose the person who maybe could have filled in. I mean, Isner was fine, and he played well, but is he had, played, had to play the two days before. You lose, by picking the Bryans, you'll lose a guy who could come in and play that match. Yeah, another exactly. Another guy. And let's, flexibility for sure. And let's face it: if you have a great doubles team, you look at how many of the dynasties in in in, in Davis Cup have been anchored by great teams, That's or how many saying. successful the ones have, have had key, great yeah. teams. Doubles is key. You can take you in. There's nothing better than going to that last day up two one. Well, I mean, you know, Davis I mean, Cup to to its credit, and I'm not I'm not the hugest fan, but they do it does make doubles more important. I mean, d- doubles is really only matters in Davis Cup. I mean, no one really's getting up and watching a doubles Grand Slam final on the internet, but people do care to watch it in Davis Cup because they That's make right. it so so important. It's that it's that swing match. These guys are the bridge between the American past and the American future, and it's it's pretty good to have that solid footing under you. Well, we, uh, we'll revisit that, and we'll let that be the last word for now. Um, keep sending some uh, your questions in. We're going to do reader questions toward the end of the week and also preview Indian Wells where, uh, Steve, you're heading out. When are you heading out? I'll be there on Friday. There you go. So we'll, we'll do this on Thursday, and... Um, We'll preview all the uh, the men's and women's draws in Indian Wells. Take some questions. Send you got them. your sunblock, Steve? That, no, no sunblock for me. Got to get a tan. That's the whole reason to go out there. Yeah, that's all he's doing, folks. He just got to tan. <laughs> get that old Rod Laver style hat. You know, put the wet cabbage leaves in there. <laughs> uh, but send your questions in to podcast at tennis.com. And with uh, Pete Bodo and the soon to be tan Steve Tigner, I'm James Martin. And we'll talk to you in a few days. Mm-hmm.
You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.